Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Good afternoon, Kim. How are you? I'm great, Eric. I hope you're doing well. Doing fantastic. I'm sitting in an air conditioned office talking to you. Oh, me too. It's so <laughs> nice in here. Even the dog is enjoying it. Oh, that's right. Well, I, I've got we, we've discussed our dogs before. I've got a bull mastiff who sleeps twenty three hours a day, and he is on. I'm sure he's on the couch someplace. Uh, he's not Probably. with me right now, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's enjoying his time too. All right. Oh, the what are dogs we talking have a about life. today? I know, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the world's greenest cities and what we can learn from them. All right. Does that and sound when like you fun? say the greenest cities, I'm 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 a mm-hmm. Washington native. There's a lot of green out there. Yeah, I don't mean that green. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> let's let's say green, sustainable. Yes. Cities. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a organization um, that ranks the hundred greenest sustainable cities mm-hmm. every year, and I didn't know about that until recently. And of course, they haven't done 2020 yet, which I think there's going to be a interesting competition for yeah. that since <laughs> people weren't really doing much in 2020. Right. pollution's way uh, down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's um, arcadis.com, A-R-C-A-D-I-S.com. And they've been doing this, I think, maybe four or six years now. Uh, I don't think it started until mm, four or six years ago. Okay. They started ranking them. And so I started doing some research on it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And they have quite the metric that they go through mm-hmm. to determine what the top ranking cities are. I found it quite fascinating. All right. I, well, I got sure. a little, yeah, I got a little lost in the whole process. Huh? So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you the highlights because we don't have three hours to okay. go through all the details. <laughs> but yeah. so it was, it was very interesting. But you know, it, it's interesting because I think a lot of us have heard about the whole sustainable city movement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, for example, Santa Fe has been doing this for a while. Uh, I was on the sustainability council for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, before it was disbanded in <laughs> 2018. And uh, the reason that we uh, ended the sustainability councils because we completed our sustainability plan. And that was the the purpose. So we we created the plan. It was quite a large document. And the whole idea was to make the city carbon neutral by 2030. So we got that ready. All right. Submitted the plan to the city council. It was adopted. And now it's in the hands of the sustainability staff in Santa Fe. And there's a lot of cities around the U.S. who are doing these types of proposals. So I find so, that interesting. So how many cities from the U.S. are on the top five? None. <laughs> Zero. Oh, 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 I was so excited to hear at least one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's, um, yeah, there's one 
in the top 20. Oh. Barely. Oh. Wow. Barely. Which one is it? <laughs> uh, well, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll talk All about right. that. Yeah. Right. It's kind of, you're, you'll be excited oh, good. about the one in the top 20. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And there's, you know, Boulder has a good sustainability plan. A couple of cities in California have some really great sustainability plans. Lots of cities around the country do. Does Omaha, do you know? I don't know that. To be, to be quite mm-hmm. honest, I don't know. I'm assuming we probably do, but mm-hmm. I don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Might be interesting to find out. Now. I'm Googling yeah. it now. Yeah. yeah. Of course you are. Yeah. Of course I am. So why the move to green our cities? Why, why should we do this? I mean, besides the obvious that we should be more sustainable in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Why? So there's a few statistics. I, you know, I like to throw out some statistics. It's one of my favorite things, and I think it is yours too. The world's cities emit 70% of our carbon dioxide. It's a lot. That's a ton. You know, yeah, it's a ton. 70%. It's, you know, driving, huge percentage of it. So it's, it's huge. And here's another one. Uh, the highest concentration of fine particles and air pollution is also found in cities. That leads to a lot of environmental problems and a lot of health problems. Probably a lot more asthma in cities than there is in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, waste management. Huge problem in the cities. 27 of the world's megacities with more than 10 million residents produce 12% of global waste. 10 wow. or 27 cities produce 12% of the global Gee, waste. Christmas. Yeah. That's a public health problem, really. Yeah. Uh, have you ever walked down the streets in New York City? I've never been to New York. No. <laughs> so they put their trash out on the street and they, they actually pick up their garbage in the middle of the night because you cannot get down the street during the day there's Mm. too much traffic so garbage gets picked up in the middle of the night and they don't use trash cans they just put it out there in bags oh and there's also a lot of rodents yeah i was gonna say i mean they may not have a raccoon problem but they kind of have rats and mice and stuff oh yeah i've walked through central park and seen rats yeah 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 they're pretty good at opening bags (laughs) yeah i think so yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah Mm. Yeah. The population, here's another one, living in cities and urban areas is expected to rise. It's currently about 55% of the population today. And by 2050, it'll be 70%. They expect it to be 70% of the population, the world's population. Okay. So let me ask you this question because you gave that statistic. Did you say that this, this, um, Report was from 2019. Yes. Okay, that's before COVID, right? So yes. I want. I wonder. I'm just curious how this is going to shift that thought True. or that expectation um, when so many businesses are now realizing that people can work remotely and they'll save money by people working remotely and and uh, people don't actually need to move into a city. Then and people are kind of afraid to be living in a big city. Because of you know a pandemic kind of situation, it'll be interesting very to see how that works out. True, yes, mm. that is very true, and we may see that shift. Absolutely, 
So this was the expectation in 2019, and that number may shift. Absolutely. That will be a very interesting thing to watch. I mean, this is a 30-year time frame. Yeah. I don't know. I, that, I will be very interested to see how that shifts because, for example, my wife is does not plan to ever go back into work and work in her office. She doesn't need to. Yeah. We have discovered that her job does not need to be in the office. She goes in once a week to pick up checks to deposit. And then later in the week, she swings by the bank and deposits them. That's the only thing she needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so. you guys live outside the city a little bit. We do. Yeah. yeah. So, again, it'll it'll be interesting. And and so, if there's a silver lining on this pandemic thing, maybe, maybe some of those cities aren't going to get as overcrowded as it sounds like, or at least there won't be. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. And now that I am actually back in the office, currently two days a week, she doesn't even need to go in and do that because I can swing by and pick them up one day, and then the next day I go into work. I can make the bank deposit for her. Well, there you go. Yeah. She may never leave home again. <laughs> Good for her. Uh, there's a little bit of jealousy coming through the microphone right now. I'll just tell you yes. that right now. Yeah. She's quite happy staying home, taking care of the chickens and the uh, soon-to-be miniature donkey that we're planning on getting. Are you kidding me? So, I'm not kidding you. We're going to get a miniature donkey. Okay. So now I, I mean, like, like I didn't have enough reason to come visit you before. <laughs> My wife wants to see a miniature donkey. I guarantee you. Well, she's oh yeah. She she keeps telling you, me we should get goats. I'm like, no 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 we shouldn't. <laughs> no, yeah, no. we're gonna get yeah. we're gonna get goats again. I had them before. We're totally off topic, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get miniature goats and the miniature donkey because I've had goats before. Uh, so I, I, I expect want videos like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know that, right? Absolutely. Have you seen his videos with his donkey? No, I'm oh, going to look. You have to. Okay. It's hilarious. Yeah. Back to the topic. Okay. Back to the topic. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> last last little uh, piece here, so why we need to move to greening our cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are estimates from the World Bank, uh, again, that if cities don't move uh, to becoming more resilient and more sustainable by 2030, which again is 10 years from now, that natural disasters are going to cost cities all over the world approximately $300 billion alone in, wow. in disaster relief, right? So climate change is going to push, they say, potentially 77 million people back into poverty. Yeah. And that's not just in the U.S. You know, you think about um, these natural disasters – in in uh, you know places like uh, the Philippines and other Asian countries, they get the typhoons. It's the same thing as a hurricane, but you know mm-hmm. typhoon, hurricane depends on which you know side of the world you're on. It, it, it's incredible the damage. Yeah. So these are reasons why we need to be a, a lot more sustainable. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how we build more resilient cities and some of the criteria that Arcadis is using to rank these top 100 cities. And I'm going to use this and we're going to build up to the culmination of what the top five are. I'm not going to give you all 100. You have to go look at the report. All right. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, You know, there's no magic formula here. um, And this is some of the criteria that Arcadis is using. And I think there's probably 
maybe more things that people could be looking at, but this is what they're using. So if we kind of look at this as an ongoing process, you know, we can't just do a stop and freeze look at the life of a city in a day. You know, this is always going to be an ongoing process. Uh, we we want to look at diversifying the economy of a city. And when you look at cities that have one main business in it, if that business goes away, there's a problem because yeah. then you can't support the community. Mm-hmm. So we have to have creative businesses. We have to have employment opportunities. We have to have both public and private sectors. Um, we, we don't want to have an economic shock if a business collapses. We also have to have cities that are planned uh, to minimize the overall effect on the environment. Uh, and the infrastructure has to be strong. It ha- we have to strengthen it. And I want to say strengthen it because I, I think so much of the infrastructure in our country is collapsing. We have left it alone for clearly 70 years since mm-hmm. much of it was built, you know, after World War II. Um, and I'm just talking about our country. I don't know a lot about infrastructure worldwide, um, but I think in the top five specifically, in, much of the infrastructure has been rebuilt and strengthened. Educating citizens to act democratically, to act more sustainably, to be inclusive, encouraging them to have an active voice on local and national decision-making, that's how we build socially cohesive societies. I'm not seeing a lot of that here lo- um, in our country lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and not to be the, the downer, because on the last podcast, I was a little bit whiny, I'll be honest. And, and you said, you even told me, you know, but we can't give up. And that's, mm-hmm. that's very true of this statement as well. Yes. My concern is that there are so many people that have just kind of thrown their hands up and says, you know, it doesn't really matter who I'm voting for because nothing's going to change. They're just going to continue to fill their own pockets. They're going to continue to do whatever they want to do to fill their own agenda. And it is disheartening and it is frustrating. Yeah. Um, yes. But I agree 100% that we can't give up and we've we've got to try to identify those that are the most forward thinking in the environmental arena that will bring some real change or at least attempt to bring real change and a voice to what we're trying to voice. Right. Those are very important. And we also have to look at how a city responds to natural disasters in in urban areas. And are they promoting greater resilience um, to future crises and supporting long-term development goals? So these four criteria that I just mentioned are criteria that the United Nations is specifically looking at guidelines uh, to to be considered. Now, Arcadis has some specific guidelines, and I'm just going to mention a few because they have so many of them. If we look at the people metric metrics, uh, some of the people metrics that they're looking at, personal well-being, meaning health, education, crime statistics for that city, they want to look at working life. Is there a huge income inequality? Uh, What are the working hours for the average citizen? Um, What about urban living? Uh, Is there access to good transportation? I look at that specifically here in Santa Fe, and our transportation system, our public transportation, 
is terrible. It's terrible here. Mm. Um, what are the other amenities that that city has? And, you know, specifically if we talk about digital services, which mean means um, internet. Is there public internet available? Because there are a lot of lower-income families that can't pay for that. So yeah. having yeah, having um, internet available for everyone is important. And then what about the planet, planet metrics? So is there uh, enough water? Uh, is sanitation good? What about the air pollution? What's the air quality of the city? You know, in Santa Fe, water is always an issue. We're high desert. Mm-hmm. What about the long-term impacts of, of the energy consumption of the city? Uh, and recycling. Uh, are people recycling appropriately? Are they doing it on a, a large level? And the greenhouse gas emissions, which is a huge component in, in Santa Fe, as we talked uh, earlier in the podcast, the idea here is to become carbon neutral by 2030. Mm-hmm. And again, here's the a piece that they're looking at, the investment in low carbon infrastructure, renewable energy processes bicycle infrastructure, which I think is incredibly important. In the U.S., I don't think there's enough of that. We see it a lot in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of exceptions here in the U.S. Now, I'm from Oregon, and if you go to Portland, you will see specific uh, bike lanes marked in downtown Portland. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I think there's a, a number of other cities here in the U.S. that have things like that. I can't remember which European, northern European country it is. Netherlands, some other very cold country up in, in <laughs> <laughs> very cold. They actually have heated bike lanes. So when it snows, those bike lanes will stay clear of snow because they're heated. Because nice. so many people bike. Yeah. Yeah. And city resilience, which is where we talk about the uh, natural disaster exposure and risk monitoring, and and also the response to those natural disaster happenings. Yeah. So on that bicycle thing, I've got to I got to make yeah. a comment too. That, yeah, and I've got to I'll I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll I'll have to probably email you later. But there is a city. It's in, in Europe. There is a city that they actually have. It's there's a very steep hill. And it is one of the, the one of the ways that a lot of bicyclists want to go, and they, it's, it really is one of the main throughways. So they installed it's it's like a little escalator for people on bicycles. So I love it's, it. It's a small step because it takes a little getting used to the first couple times you try, but you go up to it, and it's just like this little step that comes out from underneath the ground, and you put your foot on it while the rest of you are on the bike. So you're on the bicycle and you just basically put your foot on it and it pushes you and your bicycle up the hill. <laughs> it's great. Oh my gosh. It's so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, cities are taking it seriously. And, and I think that more cities need to because, it, again, it also, you know, promotes health. <laughs> if I had to ride my bicycle wow. everywhere I went, uh, I would be much healthier than I am now. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. I really need to know where this is now. Okay. You're going to have to tell me. I will. I will for sure. Yeah. All right. So profit metrics and, and profit's part of it. You know, as we talked about in podcast 28, the triple bottom line, people, planet, mm-hmm. profit. Here's mm-hmm. the three P's again. 
effectiveness of their transportation infrastructure, meaning rail transportation, air and traffic congestion. Traffic is a huge piece. So if you're in a city that has major traffic congestion, you're putting a lot more carbon dioxide into the air. And that's a big, big uh, component. Economic performance. So their, their GDP per capita, their unemployment rate and their employment rate, uh, ease of doing business. How easy is it to start a business? Tourism. Santa Fe is hard to start a business in, but our tourism is generally huge. It's not right now, not with COVID. Uh, Most of our income here in the city relies on tourism, Mm -hmm. and that is a problem. Yeah. And and their position in the global economic network. Santa Fe doesn't really export anything, so it's that's going to be a problem for us here. And what about business infrastructure? Uh, at mobile and broadband connectivity. You know, we've got to have good infrastructure for a business to operate. Um, what about university technology and research? You know, we've got a couple yeah. of, well, we have one small university here now. There used to be two. Now there's one. You know, and, and that's important. Albuquerque, of course, has a, a major university. It's a much bigger city. But those are all important components to this. Now... We're going to get to the end here. And yes, (laughs) here's the exciting part. Spoiler alert. Before we get to the top five, the U.S. has four cities in the top quartile. And only one city broke the top 20, as I mentioned. If you had to guess, well, you've seen the notes already, but the top the only city that made it into the top 20, and I, as I said, it was just barely, is Seattle. There you go. Yes. It's going to represent. <laughs> yes. You as the Washington guy, right? That's right. Now, I love Seattle. Seattle. Love it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So Seattle is a great city. Uh, very, very progressive. Um, I don't have a list of the other cities that made it. Uh, I didn't write them all down, but anyone can go and look at the, the report. And, and see, there are 15 cities that ranked between 50 and 75. So there's a decent number of U.S. cities on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portland, I believe, is in there somewhere. Portland was a very, very specific planned city from the beginning, which I find very interesting. And I, I know that because I, I, you know, I grew up in Oregon. So it was interesting watching uh, Portland develop uh, when I was younger. Now... Most of the top cities were European. Mm-hmm. And that I find very interesting. And, and we've talked about this before in terms of sustainability and investing. Europe is far, far ahead of the U.S. on corporate sustainability. Yeah. So why wouldn't they be far ahead of us on city sustainability? So here's the top five. I know which city I want to move to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and interestingly, uh, of these top five, I haven't been to any of them. I've been to Europe a couple of times, but I haven't been to any of these cities. So number five, Vienna. Number four, the only non-European, Singapore. Really? Yeah. 
Um, Singapore is pretty metropolitan and, and uh, I think probably very well planned as well. Mm. Number three, Edinburgh. I've always wanted to go to Scotland. Yes. Uh, Ireland and Scotland are on my list. Yep. Number two, Stockholm. And drum roll, please. Number one, I think two years in a row, and I didn't look uh, on the earlier lists, London. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. Yeah. So I was scheduled to go to London in October of this year to speak at a conference, but I'm no longer going. Ugh. So I'm very... <laughs> The conference has gone virtual, and uh, I won't be actually going to London, so I can't go check out the uh, sustainability of the city in person. Research. It's got to be a business trip for research, right? <laughs> Something. <laughs> Something. <laughs> and if you need I, anybody I to hold your bags, I, yeah. <laughs> I can carry luggage. I can, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was excited to be taking my first trip to London, but uh, that will not be happening in mm. uh, 2020. So there right. you go. So there is... The sustainability metrics, or some of them, I mean, they're, they're, they're very in-depth, actually, if you look at the report uh, that Arcadis does. And I, I actually am going to look forward to seeing what happens in 2020, and I do hope they continue it, because I think there'll be a big shift with what's happened with the pandemic worldwide and how many cities have gotten a little bit more sustainable. So, yeah. yeah. So which of those top five would be on your list? To visit? Yeah. Oh, I, Vienna, Singapore, uh, and, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah, Edinburgh is going to be for sure. That's yeah. that's on my wife and I's bucket list for nice. uh, Ireland, Scotland. All Well, we've never been to Europe. Neither one of us has oh. been to Europe ever. So we, we actually have some friends uh, in different places over in Europe. And so we've, we've thought about it and we will have some you know personal tours and things. So yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot on the bucket list when we can travel again, right? I mean, that's yes, the, that's the thing. So we're uh, we're looking forward to it. Yep. For well, sure. There you go. All right. Sustainable cities and uh, what we can do. All right. Hopefully, we'll all get a little more sustainable. Yeah, sounds good. And I will find out uh, and and tell you later what uh, what Omaha is doing because I know that we've. There are some organizations that are working towards it, but I don't know if they actually have an official plan, you know, to, to get anything you know, truly accomplished by a certain time like Santa Fe does. So that's, that interests me. And that's something obviously as a resident, I need to know. So I yeah. appreciate the prompt and I'll, I'll take a look. That'll be interesting. So Santa Fe's sustainability plan is pretty aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, a lot of it will be hard to accomplish in 10 years now that we have left. Mm -hmm. And especially now with the with the the global pandemic and and what's happened financially for the city, I think it will set us back. But we've made some progress in yeah. in what we've been wanting to do, and that's important. Some progress is better than none. Well, you know, you, you know that I'm a business coach. <laughs> that's <laughs> you got to write down your goals, or else you'll never even Absolutely. try to attempt them. So, even if Absolutely. they're hard to reach at least you guys are working towards it. And that's that's the important part. I think each one of us needs to be able to make that list for ourselves and and work toward those goals. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Kim. Fantastic podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. And thanks so much for being here with me. Heck yeah, I wouldn't miss it. That's, I love it. <laughs> All right, and audience, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Yes, our first sponsor today is Calvert Research and Management. Calvert is a global leader in responsible investing. Calvert sponsors one of the largest and most diversified families of responsibly invested mutual funds, encompassing active and passively managed equity, income, alternative, and multi-asset strategies. With roots in responsible investing back to 1982, the firm seeks to generate favorable investment returns for clients by allocating capital consistent with environmental, social, and governance best practices and through structured engagement with portfolio companies. Our second sponsor is Green Century Capital Management. Green Century is proud to be the home of the first family of fossil fuel-free, responsible, and diversified mutual funds in the U.S., By investing in responsible corporations, Green Century enables individuals to align their investments with their values. Green Century also houses an award-winning shareholder advocacy program that directly presses dozens of companies every year on sustainability practices. Green Century is the only mutual fund company in the U.S. wholly owned by environmental and public health nonprofits, and 100% of the profits earned managing the Green Century funds belongs to them. Thank you very much to our sponsors, Calvert Research and Management and Green Century Capital Management. And we do appreciate those sponsors, and we appreciate you listening and tuning in today. For everybody at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661 don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available the companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation horizon sustainable financial services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of new mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.